Listen, no one wants to get old, but we all know it's going to happen. What if you want to stay in your house into your later years? How do you change the way you think about the design of your house? What can you build now that will make that transition easier in the future? We will be discussing this and more on today's episode where we talk about aging in place. Hey everyone, this is Chris Novelli from N3 Architecture and welcome to the Home Design Academy podcast where I help people understand design and construction so that they can make better decisions on their projects and communicate more effectively with their architects and contractors. So welcome to episode number 16 where we're talking about aging in place and a recent study from the AARP showed that close to 90% of adults over 65 want to stay in their current home and community as they age, no matter what. It's also no surprise that seniors are much more active and independent than ever before. So the question becomes, how can you design a home or how can you redesign a home that will safely allow for this? And it doesn't matter if you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s and you feel like you're still young and active, if you're building a house or if you're renovating a house and you plan on staying there for a while, you should be thinking about what it would be like living there when you're 80 or 90 years old. And in order to create an environment for aging in place, you need preparation and planning. You need to be forward thinking and not just be concerned about your current needs. So the number one thing that comes up is safety, and there's lots of safety, different safety concerns. Seniors, of course, are much more of a risk for falling or tripping. So avoiding steps or sunken rooms or showers or tubs that have a high step in, those should be some of the most basic things that you do. You should also have a plan for emergencies, both medical emergencies and natural disasters. What do you do if there's a hurricane or what do you do if there's a power outage that that lasts for weeks? Seniors also need companionship. Loneliness is a major concern for seniors who live alone. And the benefit of some of these senior housing communities is the programs and services they offer. Isolation also has uh, health concerns such as lower brain function and reduced memory and chronic illness. There's a big need for seniors to stay active and physically fit. And exercise maintains strength in their bones, in their joints, in their muscles, and which will reduce the risk of falls and prevent mental decline. Many people, though, feel a sense of pride and dignity for being able to stay in their own homes. And please know that there's options for independent senior living, which allows for autonomy, but also provides services and companionships. So here are some strategies for new home construction that I use when I'm designing a house that people are going to stay in into their later years. And if you're building a house, I hope you incorporate some of these or at least consider them. First thing is a first floor master suite. As a senior, you don't want to be going up and down stairs, 
And having that living on the first floor level is the most basic of aging in place strategies. You also want to have a reduction in steps at the front entry. Consider a slab on grade house where the first floor level is only slightly above grade so that you can gradually slope a sidewalk to the entry door or install a ramp if needed. Another thing to do at the entry door is to have a shelf or a space for a table so that bags can be put down when you're getting your your keys out. Security at the front door is very important and visibility is important too. You don't want to hide an entry tucked into a courtyard or have large plantings to obscure views. The ability for your neighbors to see you at the front door increases safety and detours any potential criminal activities. Having a laundry room on the first floor and located close to the bedroom is a priority. In the bathroom, you want to install grab bars at the side and behind your toilet and also at the shower. And if you're not installing grab bars at this time, but you you want to plan for the future, have the contractor install some solid wood blocking in those areas so that you can add those grab bars in the future. Using comfort height to- toilets, easier to get up and down on, and showers that are either roll in or have a very low step to get in because seniors can't step up over a, a tall tub wall. When you're designing a floor plan for aging in place, you want to have a simple layout. You want to think about direct lines of travel. Think about from going from your bed in the middle of the night to the bathroom. Do you have to go through multiple doorways and around multiple corners, or is it easier to have a straight line and a direct path of access? The width of spaces and turning radiuses for wheelchairs or power chairs or walkers is something that you need to consider. What you don't want is narrow hallways or small rooms that you can't turn around or maneuver these devices. Thinking again about the entry door, if you place windows to the side of your entry door, which would allow a space to look out and see who's knocking on the door, that's a safety enhancement. I mean, there are cameras that uh, are available now, the Ring doorbell and other different devices, but sometimes these are hard for seniors to operate. Electrical outlets in all the rooms should have at least one outlet that's installed up high. So typically your outlets are installed 18 inches off the floor, but in each room if you have an outlet installed at 36 inches off the floor, that would minimize the amount of bending over In your kitchen, consider installing the the cabinets at a lower height, at 34 inches instead of 36 inches. That would help you in the future. Also, install cabinets that have removable sink fronts to accommodate a wheelchair or a power chair in the future. When you're considering your flooring, you want to avoid changes in your floor heights. You don't want to have any thresholds walking into a room and either use the same material throughout the entire floor level so that every room's on the same level or adjust the thickness of your plywood underlayment so that your flooring in one room lines up with the flooring in a different room. An example of this might be going from a hallway where you have a hardwood floor into a bathroom where you have ceramic tile and the ceramic tile is a little bit thicker so you have a threshold at the door that that covers that gap. 
or going from a room with carpet to a room that has a sheet vinyl flooring where the sheet vinyl is a lot thinner than the carpet. So you want to avoid those situations because they become tripping hazards. And actually, you should be avoiding carpet altogether. Carpet is very difficult to maneuver a walker on, but if you absolutely have to have a carpet, go for a thin, low pile type and do not use a carpet pad. I would consider adding more pantry style kitchen cabinets or even better, a whole pantry closet. This will avoid having to reach up into those upper cabinets. For your door hardware, do not use doorknobs or even knob style cabinet hardware in your kitchens. Those are hard to grip and turn. Instead, use a lever lever style door hardware and a straight or wire style pulls on your kitchen cabinets. Door clearances is also a big obstacle. Too often in residential construction, doors are placed close together or the hallway is just slightly larger than the door and at every door you need to consider where you're going to be standing if you have a walker or where you're going to be in a, sitting if you're in a wheelchair and still have space to open that door. I recommend a minimum of 18 inches clear from the edge of the door to the adjacent wall on the pull side of the door. The push side isn't as critical. You still need space on the push side, but think about where you're going to be on the pull side so you can open that door and not hit your walker or hit your wheelchair. When it comes to the exterior envelope of the house, I mean, you've heard me say it before, I always recommend increasing the efficiency of your exterior envelope, but No matter what the climate, most seniors have different temperature comfort levels than younger folks do. And a well-insulated, high-performance envelope, no matter what climate you live in, is key to maintaining comfortable and consistent temperatures in your indoor environment. And as a bonus, if you build correctly, you're going to use far less energy and resources to heat and cool your house which is a benefit as when you're retired, usually money's tight, you don't have the budget that you used to and not having to pay a large oil bill or a large gas bill or a large electrical bill will allow you to use that limited money on the things that you need and that the things that you enjoy. When it comes to lighting, seniors are especially sensitive to light and glare. So when you're designing, you need to know the path of the sun travel throughout the day and throughout the year. I mean, you should be doing this anyways, but the strategies when designing for aging in place is a little bit different than the strategies for designing for daylighting in a normal situation. So here you might want to minimize the windows that get direct sunlight or design a shading structure on the exterior of the house that diffuses and filters the light. And this way you don't have that direct high glare sunlight coming into the space which can affect the senior's vision and if vision is affected they have the greater possibility of tripping and falling. So you need to understand that if you're located in a northern climate that sun angle during the winter months will be much lower and any south facing windows will have that low angle sun coming through the windows and this is something that with senior housing and with aging in place you want to avoid and you also this extends to the materials that you use you don't want to have high reflective materials because that you have that glare and that sunlight 
Now it's reflecting up off the materials, whether it's a floor or a countertop or or something else, and it's getting into the eyes of the seniors and it's creating a dangerous situation. And the best way to deal with glare is to have even uniform light levels throughout the entire space and not areas in the room that's lighter and darker. So for a house, if you're designing for aging in place, this may mean installing more hardwired lighting in each room or increasing the amount of hardwired fixtures in each room that you would normally install. And by doing this, you get that even distribution of light. And I'm going to finish on these strategies for new construction on suggesting low maintenance fixtures and finishes. That's both inside the house and outside the house. You want to reduce and minimize the amount of maintenance that has to be done. So in other episodes where I argued against using vinyl siding and against using vinyl windows for better products, in an aging in place situation, you might want to encourage the use of those materials because they have a far less maintenance than, say, a wood window. And one other thing that not very many people think about is the amount of highly detailed trim you have inside your house. This is door trim, window trim, and floor base, and any other cabinetry or millwork. The more detailed a piece of trim is, the more dust will collect on it. And for seniors, you want to avoid or minimize the situations where they will be bending and stretching. And cleaning is a big part of this in the home. renovate an existing house for aging in place. Space here is the key. Is there room on the main level that can be used or converted into a bedroom? If not, you may have to look to putting on an addition. And no, it's not the end of the world if there's no bedrooms on the first floor. And yes, they do make motorized seats that can bring you up and down the stairs. But I think most people wouldn't want to do that. Is there a full bathroom on the main level? And if so, what is the size? If it's too small to accommodate a wheelchair or a walker, look to where you can increase the size of that bathroom, even if it means making another bedroom a little bit smaller. You can install a roll-in type shower or a low step shower. But for here, the floor drain is the key. I prefer installing a trench drain at the edge of the shower to catch any water that spills out because you don't want to have a wet bathroom floor, and the possibility of someone slipping as they're getting out of the tub. Is there laundry on the first floor level? If not, you should think about adding it. Consider installing handrails in the hallways, and these can be mounted to either studs or blocking. I would not buy cheap handrails, though, or cheap mounting brackets. Think that it needs to support a few hundred pounds. Many times, Existing houses have different thicknesses of finished flooring. We already talked about this a little bit. When you have a threshold or a transition strip between rooms, if renovating for aging, consider removing all the flooring in in the main floor level and replacing it with all the same type of floor. Or again, using a different thickness underlayments 
to allow the finished floor level to align from one room to the next. And again, avoid carpet or use a low pile carpet with no carpet pad. If you're replacing the window, make sure you get out and look and test a sample window to make sure that it's smooth and easy to operate. Some of these windows are a little heavy and they take a little muscle to, to, to pull up and down. Also, some double hung windows that have the tilt wash feature have really small buttons that have to be pushed in and slided over in order to tilt. And this may be difficult for those with less dexterity in their fingers. Entry into an existing house is always difficult. Many houses, even if they're built on level pieces of land, are built up with several steps up into them. So you need to build a ramp. And this is where I think you should check your local state codes where you live for ramp design requirements. Too often, I see ramps that don't have proper clearances or they're too steep and just not safe. Some of these prefabricated metal ramps, they may be your least expensive option and even a temporary option that can be easily removed in the future, but they're not always the safest option. For ramps, in a private single family residence, you can pretty much do whatever you want and you don't need to comply with accessibility codes. As long as what you're building on the exterior of your house conforms with any local zoning bylaws or any other homeowner association regulations. But for an example, for accessible ramps built here in Massachusetts to comply with the uh, 521 CMR, which is the Architectural Access Board, which is regulates handicap accessibility in public buildings, ramps can be no steeper than one foot of rise for every 12 feet of run. You need two one and a half inch diameter handrails on both sides mounted at 19 inches and 36 inches. And these handrails need to extend 12 inches past the top and bottom of the ramp. The clear width between those handrails can be a minimum of 48 inches. And the ramp itself cannot rise vertically no more than 30 inches before you have a level landing. And the landings on a switchback or L-shaped ramp needs to be 60 inches minimum clear in both directions. But in a straight run in a straight run ramp, if you have a landing, that landing can be 60 inches by the 48 inch width between the handrails. Doors cannot swing into the landing, so the top landing needs to be oversized to accommodate the door swing plus the clear floor space. And these are just some basic general requirements. Please see your local codes for more information. Now, what if you're buying a house that you will eventually age in? What are some of the things that you should look at or consider if you're buying a house? So the same thing could even go into buying land. The first thing I would think about is, is there any room on the site for future expansion? Whether that's an in-law suite for elderly parents, or if you have to put on a first floor master uh, suite for yourself in the future, you need to look at the house and think, where would you put on such an addition? And I would encourage you to go one step further. Look at the town's zoning bylaws to see what the setbacks and other restrictions are. It's very easy to obtain this information. It's all public and you can get a sense if putting on an addition is even possible. 
So if you're buying a house that you know you're going to age in, and if it doesn't have the first floor amenities that you're going to need, and if you don't have room on the side or the rear of the house to put an addition on, I would recommend you do not buy that house. And if that's all a little confusing to you, you can always call the building inspector in the town that the house is located in and have a conversation with them to see if there's any regulations that would prohibit either an addition or would prohibit an in-law suite because some towns don't allow you to have an in-law suite. The next thing I would consider is a ranch style house where everything's on one floor level. Just as long as you have that sort of laundry facilities up on the main floor and not down in the basement. And no matter what the style of the house though, look around to see if it has spaces on the first floor level that are either existing or can be easily modified in the future. And this goes for, are there bedrooms or a spot that you can convert into a bedroom? Is there a full bathroom on the first floor level? Is there laundry on the first floor level? Is the bathroom large enough to move around if you had a walker? Is the shower large enough if the, or is the existing tub large enough where you can remove it and put in a roll-in shower or a low-step shower? Are the hallways real narrow, which may limit your mobility within your own house? And then consider the maintenance on your house. Is it a house that already has these low-maintenance products? Is it a house that's located on a steep site that you're going to have to walk up and down a sloped driveway or shovel a sloped driveway in the winter? So if you're buying a house or if you're buying land to build a house on, just think about what it's going to be like if you're 80 or 90 years old. You can barely walk. You can't use your fingers and grip things the way that you used to. And you can't go up and down stairs and your knees hurt and your back hurts. Think about all that stuff as you're buying your house or buying your land. If this is a place that you plan on living in for a long time. And take those things into consideration and make the best decision possible. up another episode of the home design academy podcast i hope you've learned something and enjoyed yourself along the way make sure to subscribe and leave a review on your podcast player of a choice please visit n3architecture.com for more information and submit any question you have to home design academy at n3architecture.com again that's home design academy at n3architecture.com i would love to take your question and something that you're struggling with or need help with and turn that into a podcast episode. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye.